Jeremy Kubitschek, you're listening to the Shadows Podcast. All right, before we begin this episode, the Chronicles of Josh White, we want to go back into the archives. Episode 29, the Chronicles of Chad Porter. We're going to play a small clip, and if you'd like to hear the episode in its entirety, head over to theshadowspodcast.com. And so when we jumped out of the back of the boat, walking back toward shore, I mean, high five and just big smiles. Um, right before that act started, but the, the clouds started coming in and the wind started blowing and we could hear some light, uh, excuse me, hear the thunder and see the lightning. And so we knew there was a big storm coming up. We just didn't know to what extent it was, but you know, we knew we had to get out of the water and hurry up and, and get everything done. So everything was kind of chaotic and two dads in the boat started cleaning up the boat and you know they the driver spun around in his driver's seat started picking up ropes and and the other guy was throwing skis out of the back of the boat and trying to clean up so they could get the boat out of the water and immediately the dad standing up knew something wasn't right and he yelled at the driver turn off the boat turn off the boat it's going in reverse and it startled the driver because he knew he had it in neutral he thought he did because when he went forward you know he had the throttle forward and he pulled it up into neutral position but some reason with everything that was going on, obviously he, he must've just clicked it in the reverse position. It wasn't going fast, but it was engaged. And so when he spun around to turn the boat off, his elbow hit the throttle before he could hit the key and it pushed it completely into reverse. And, and the two dads were pinned to the floorboard. They couldn't get up. The momentum had them pinned down and the boat's now racing back towards shore wide open with a 400 horsepower engine in it. Um, and there's nine kids standing in the water with their backs to the boat we got super lucky. Obviously I was the only one directly behind the boat. And when it, when it started coming, I mean, I don't even know that I knew what was happening, but my body reacted to go under the water. And so that's what I did. I tried to dive to the bottom of the lake, but I was in waist deep water. It really wasn't anywhere to go. And the boat went right over top of me and the propeller just has so much turbulence and suction. It just sucked me right to the propeller and just started chopping me up and throwing me around like a rag doll underneath the boat. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't get away from it. Um, I could feel things happening, I, you know, no pain, but the I could just feel my legs being thrown around. And um, so finally the boat ran into another boat. The two dads were able to turn off the boat. I floated out from underneath it and um, the damage was done at that point. Michael grabbed me and he's a 18 year old friend of mine. And he, he picks me up in his arms and, I remember looking down and I saw the right leg come up out of the water and it looked like somebody had taken a stick of dynamite and just exploded the leg. I mean, it was bone sticking out of it, blood shooting three or four feet in the air, the legs turning red. I mean, it was a massacre of just meat and, and you know, hopefully nobody's eating during this uh, podcast, but uh, pretty gruesome. Um, I don't remember seeing anything else and, and, and the pain just now creeps in. He pulls me over. All right. If you enjoy that clip and you would like to hear that episode in its entirety, make sure you head over to theshadowspodcast.com, click on episodes and check out episode 29, the Chronicles of Chad Porter. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this episode of the Shadows Podcast. So I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Bodenheimer, and this is one that I've had circled for a while. We've been trying to make this thing happen for 
quite some since what probably about three and a half years or something we've been it seems like but it's been a, a hot minute but the day has arrived it's finally arrived and we're here today better than never but i'm here with josh white he is a senior non-commissioned officer in the united states air force host of hero front podcast welcome to the shadows podcast Thanks, bro. You're one of the, you know, inspirations to mine. I saw your monitor turn off back there. Yeah, we'll, we we'll talked for out. an hour. <laughs> it went to sleep. Talked for an hour. Nothing happened. We hit record. Problems arise. That's just how it goes. But um, thank you for having me, man, because what, you know, what we have in common was we kind of started, uh, you know, around the same time. Yeah. And when I first Hero Front came into my mind during COVID, and I've noticed a huge uptick in podcasts since COVID. So I know that was a huge driving factor to many, many different military and veteran-run podcasts. Um, and so that was on my mind. My the only one I could find back then um, that I was aware of was um, Chief Bogdan's. Who? And Chief. Yeah, oh yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he was on your show. Uh, yeah. So you definitely know who he is. He's a really cool guy. Um, pretty much everyone loves this guy. And yeah, I was listening to his for a long time. And then I started, you know, looking into other ones. And that's when I found yours. And I was like, Oh, my God, this, I got to reach out to this guy, because I had this idea where I was going to get Chief Bogdan on my first episode. Right? I had this idea, I, th I thought, if I'm going to make this work, if I'm going to make this stand out with so many other podcasts, I, if I get Chief Bogdan's story, that's going to be the best first start I could possibly have. So you could imagine my thought process when I found your podcast and I saw that your first <laughs> episode was Chief Bogdan. Copyrighted it. Yep. So that's funny because when we first connected, you told me that. And I'm like, wow, that is that's crazy. Yeah, man. And, and if I'm being completely transparent with you, I don't think I told you this then, but like I, I got to Eglin, I got, I was, I was new. I'm trying to make this podcast work. I'm on the fence about it. Like at yeah. this point, I didn't invest money. I'm still kind of, you know, researching, but when I saw that, like I almost didn't go through with it almost no. because I was like, well, shoot, someone else is doing exactly what I planned on doing like the same concept almost. And like, and then I, and then it just kind of hit me like, man, there's millions of these, like, why not just reach out to them and collaborate with them? And, um, and that's exactly what I did. I hit you up and you talked to me either that night or the next day it was, you know, you offered it to quick. Talk to me. Yeah, it was real quick. And, and you re-motivated me, man. You know, you, you really helped me, you helped me put it together. You helped me go through with it. Sweet. Yeah. I actually got a fancy black backdrop, not today. I wasn't going to say nothing about my monitor, but yeah, it, it crapped out on me just now, but uh, it called it a day, but yeah, I bought the black backdrop. Cause I was like, man, his backdrop is sweet. Uh, so I instantly logged off and my wife purchased all kinds of podcast stuff after talking to you. So yeah, she thanks you for that purchase. Oh, so nice. Yeah. As you can see, I'm using, it looks like this, you know, fancy wall behind me, but it's just a, a really thin sheet that blocks the viewer from seeing my bedroom. Cause that's what my dad on my first episode, I didn't have this. And my dad went and watched it. My dad was my first episode. Uh, he's a retired major. And he was like, yeah, you need to get something to block your bed, man. He's like, no one wants to see your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a good point. Plus I always got laundry everywhere. So that's just not going to work long term. So this is what I got. At least you're not doing the distortion background that I have all the students here do. And they try to hold their something up and their hand disappears and it just, it doesn't work. 
but it doesn't. Yeah, well, we're going to get started here with some rapid fire questions for you. First one, you have two plane tickets. Okay. One one is a return trip to somewhere you've been before. Okay. The other is somewhere you've never been. Where do you go? Got it. Okay. Ooh, the return trip. There's so many, so many cool spots I could hit. But I would probably go back to Anderson Air Force Base Guam is probably the one I would pick. Because that was my first duty assignment. Um, at that time, this is around 2005, the drinking age was 18. I was 19. So you could imagine uh, the shenanigans. Um, they were, it was, it was a good time. And uh, I went to Guam with about 10 people from my section. At that point in time, I was aerospace ground equipment. So mm -hmm. we worked on the support equipment for aircraft. So it's a flight line based job. And I went with all my friends from tech school. We all got orders to Guam. So not only was I in paradise, but I was with some of my best friends I've ever made. And it was just the time of my life. It was a short tour. So it was a year and a half. And I think about it often, you know, now that I'm a master sergeant, I've been in almost 17 years. You know, I think back and, and, and really appreciate that time in my life. And I kind of worry that I'll never get to see it again. I mean, this, mm. this island's in the middle of nowhere. There'd be no reason for me to go back unless it was like a TDY or, or something or orders or, and so because it's such a hard place to get to and because it's so close to my heart, I would pick Guam for that one. Okay. What about you? Never been there before? Where would you go? Never been there before. That's a really good one too. I'd probably have to say, again, I'm gonna pick a spot that would be really hard to get to. So I'm gonna say Hong Kong. I would pick Hong Kong. I've I've known a guy who was hired to find um missing soldiers you know like there's a in in war there's a lot of missing airmen and missing uh, army personnel and just you know casualties and remains that were never located and he had a unique job of being stationed in china and helping archaeologists uh find these remains and then you know try to identify them and I remember seeing the pictures he was posting. It just looked like the, just this magical wonderland out there. You know, the mountains and the fog and the lakes and the waterfalls and the, the architecture and the food. And, and you know, it, China's a, it's a tough place sometimes to live at. You know, they're in the news often and, you know, it's a lot different way of life there. So for an American, I think that would be a rare opportunity to get to see that part of the world. Okay. Easy question for you right here. You can have dinner with three people who are no longer with us. They can be histor historical people, can't be family members. Who would you choose? So historical members that have passed away. We'll go athletes too. It could be athletes, musicians. Okay. Dang. Okay. So this is going to be like the most cliche thing ever, but I would pick Jesus as the first one because I mean, if you he could gets talk to invited Jesus, a lot to these. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you could pull that off, like that would just cause the apocalypse right there. They'd be like, nope, yeah. you can't do that. Game over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would pick, yeah, I'd pick uh, Jesus first because got a lot of questions. Um, the second person I would pick would be Robin Williams. Ooh, add some humor to it. Because he's, he's kind of like a father figure to us all, us 90s yeah. kids. Yeah. He's just an incredible comedian, great guy. And, uh, you know, he kind of represents my childhood. So I, I would pick him. 
And then the third person I would pick would probably be. Oof, this is a tough one. I kind of want to pick Abraham Lincoln. Okay. If I'm being honest with you, because um, I read a, a lot about him. Um, and as you know, I'm trying to, to, to go on this Gettysburg TDY. So I've been reading a lot about the Civil War. And it's just such an interesting war. And there's so many, so many strategies that we use to this day from that war. More than, than you realize. Mm-hmm. A lot of our strategy is based upon that war. Um, and uh, he had uh, a big part of that afterwards where he, he went back to Gettysburg after the big battle and gave his speech. And um, because that TDY has been on my mind um, and I'm watching the very long movie and trying to read the very long book, I would pick at this point in time, Abraham Lincoln. And he was a vampire hunter. He was also a vampire hunter. That is a fact. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's a good, good group right there. Final one, favorite book. Favorite book. So I think the, I want to give this book credit because it's, it's not, as well known, you know, I, we're seeing all these lists come out and, you know, of, of these, uh, these big air force leaders and they're, they're, a lot of them are very common and we all are aware of them. So I want to pick one that is not so common. Okay. And that book is love is letting go of fear. I might have it over here. Actually. Love is letting go of fear. Yes. And I believe the author's name is Gerald Jamblowski or something. It's, it's hard to pronounce. Uh, but the it's a very simple book, and I know about it because my childhood best friend Jeff Bird um, was sent to a boarding school and kind of a rehabilitation for troubled youth. Yeah. And so for the troubled youth curriculum, this book was kind of part of their foundation. And so when he told me that, I went and bought the book. And, and as a kid, it really opened my eyes. Like it narrows down that our whole life comes down to love or fear and how that looks going down each one of those paths. And it just makes it so easy to understand that that's the book that got me into books. I would say Mm. as far as like self-help type books, trying to develop yourself, you know, that's the book that uh, got my foot in the door. All right. Well, you survived the rapid fire round. Heck yeah. And I stole that from you too. I call it the hero's gauntlet. And uh, when I say I stole it from you, I use it at the beginning because on the Llama Lounge, uh, they use it at, they, I, th- I think they use questions at the end. They do. On theirs. But when I listen to yours, you use yours at the beginning. And I thought that that was a really cool approach. And I use it myself and I call it the hero's gauntlet. Establish rapport, you know, but I got to think of a better name. I don't like rapid fire. And I know, I'm, you like, I'm, one. I'm like 40 episodes in and I'm, I don't like rapid fire. Yeah. Yeah. I need a new name for it. I'll let you think of one. Yeah. I'm going to help you out with that. And I'll dub it over on all future episodes. It'll be like, now we're listening to the round of qu- or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll just do that. I'll have dub overs, but all right. So you survived the, as of right now, rapid fire. And now we're going to make our way into your story. So yes, for our listeners who are listening to this and they for whatever reason have not checked out, out the heroes front podcast tell them a little bit about your upbringing prior to your military career so prior to my military career i was i was still surrounded by the air force um i was you know raised in the national guard type of family um so 
my dad moved around a little bit. I was born in West Virginia. Uh, and so I'm a mountaineer, you know, at heart and my family still lives there to this day. Uh, my dad and my mom got divorced when I was very young when I was two. Uh, and my dad is the one who actually took custody of me and raised me. And he got married pretty quickly after that. They stayed married for 10 years, got a divorce. And then he's been with, uh, my stepmom, Kathy since I'm 36 now. So this is since I was about 13. My mom remarried and she had a son. Uh, that's my half brother, Nate is my only brother. Cause on my dad's side, I have five sisters. So when my dad got married for that third time, I had uh, two half sisters and, or uh, three half sisters and two stepsisters. So we kind of had a Brady bunch type of house. Yeah. Uh, and, and given the fact that my dad, he spent the first six years active, but then by the time he had me was in the guard, uh, he was stationed in West Virginia and then Maryland at Andrews. And when I was seven, we went to San Antonio. He was stationed there. And then to uh, he commissioned and went back to Andrews. So he's a senior master sergeant in the guard and then commissioned. He became a commander, a squadron commander. Um, and then uh, my, he, my aunt and uncle worked in the guard building there. Um, they were married. My uncle was a chief. My aunt was a colonel. Uh, had another uncle there that was a tech sergeant. The guard is a very tight-knit family. Um, they, they appreciate the military and active duty, but they're, it's a little, it's a different vibe. They, they, they're, I mean, they work with each other for a long, long time. And so they, they are very tight knit community. So that was a huge part of my upbringing was having this military presence, these, these guardsmen, you know, holiday parties and going to Andrews. Um, I, I really loved it. I really loved it. And I think that seed was probably planted you know, seeing my dad in blues every day, um, that seed was definitely planted. And so I was raised primarily in Waldorf, Maryland, uh, graduated high school in 2003. And I took that first year to kind of travel. My best friend, Jeff, he got back from that boarding school and he made a lot of friends from all over the U.S. So we took kind of like a little tour to California. We went through L.A., Santa Monica, Santa Barbara Pier, Venice Beach, hit up all these, you know, cool spots, kind of a first trip on our own. Yeah. And then when I got home, I kind of just realized there wasn't a lot going on, you know, back home. There was a lot of partying and a lot of fun to be had, but I just had a different kind of vision for my future. You know, um, I wanted to, you know, be like my dad. And so he swore me in, which was really special. That's cool. Yeah. He got to swear me in. We had our own little private ceremony, me, him and my stepmom, Kathy, and that made it real for me. You know, I was like, there's no going back now. And so, yeah, went to basic uh, tech school at Shepard Air Force Base. First base, Guam. My second base, uh, Kadena in Okinawa, Japan. And then I went to Whiteman Air Force Base, which is my favorite Air Force Base that I've ever been stationed at. That first time I was there, I was kind of a culture shock. It was very, you know, in the middle of nowhere, very country. And so as an airman, I didn't really appreciate it, but I met my wife there. She's from there. And uh, I retrained into public health, went to Luke Air Force Base, absolute blast there. Four years of just hiking and going to Sedona and Grand Canyon and just, it's a beautiful state and had a blast yeah. there. Uh, and then from there, I, we went back to Whiteman to start a family. I had my daughter and my son. So we did start our family and my in-laws all live there. And, you know, it's cool. Just Same place you met your wife, start your family. 
Yes, it, it was. I kind of wanted to go back and, and redo that base mm-hmm. in a weird way because that first time I was there, I was in that's probably the darkest point of my life, if I'm if I'm being honest with you. And uh, I and part of me wanted to go back and redo that part of my life. And I was able to do that in an epic way. That's where I was selected for, you know, an honor guard in CYC uh, at Whiteman. And, and we just kicked butt and had a, a blast. Um, and after that, my special duty ended. I'm back in public health and I'm now stationed at Eglin Air Force Base, Florida, where I reside today. Okay, so a couple of things to pick apart from that story. First, what made you decide to join the Air Force as opposed to Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard? Well, if you've if your family has been making fun of every other branch of service your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they used to give each other so this is before memes, you know, and yeah, the services and the beef and the poking fun at each other was was very, very much commonplace. And my dad would tell me constantly, like how much army people would be like they go on a deployment and the army barracks might be in really bad shape. But the Air Force one was always in great shape. And they kind of got this reputation of like having it made and having it easy. And he they convinced me of years and years of, of picking fun at these other services. Like there was no other option in my mind, yeah. period. Yeah. Okay. So you decided to join there. Like you mentioned all the different bases that you've been to. And you talked about, you know, wanting to have that, that redo at Whiteman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't mind, like what were some of those dark moments that you went through while you were there? So, um, I'd say when I went to Guam and Japan, I had a great time. However, I, de- I started developing some seriously bad habits. I didn't seem to really take care of myself or care. I was, I was one of those people who were always in great shape without having to work out. Yeah. I've lost that since then. <laughs> yeah, me too. But yeah, I think it's called getting old. Um, but my point is, uh, you know, in maintenance world back then, at least they would say, oh, you're having a great day. You drink. Oh, you had a bad day. You drink. That's how you fix it. You know, maybe it wasn't said that way, but that's that's what happened. That's that's how I was brought up. Yeah. And at the time, it was a great time, man. It was it was really fun, and I was rocking and rolling. I didn't really have any goals, and then I started not feeling like me a little bit by the time I got to Japan. Like something was starting to get off, and I and I think those bad habits and the lack of coping skills started to catch up to me in a big, big way. Um, because I started, you know, working night shift. I started going on 12s in Guam. I was in like the WRM, the, the war reserve material. You know, I basically had to maintain equipment that's never used that's saved for a war Mm -hmm. in Japan. That's a serious mission in Okinawa. Um, they are on 12s constantly. They're working their tails off. They're in mop gear. They're, I mean, it's no joke out there. You know, Guam was truly a vacation assignment compared to Kadena. And I just didn't have the mental fortitude to get through all that without kind of falling apart a little bit, if that makes sense. And so that only got worse when I got to Whiteman. uh, Because when I got to Whiteman, that's just kind of where it all came to a head. And I didn't realize, like, like, looking back, like, I was in a dark place at that time. I was just trying to get through each day and just kind of numb myself and, and, uh, you know, play Xbox live and, and, and just try to ignore life as best I could. But, you know, deep down inside, like I, I pretty much hated myself and, and in what I envisioned myself to be, I was kind of the opposite of that vision, right? Like 
when I first joined, I want to make my family proud. I want to make my dad proud. Those are all on my heart. And then when I look in the mirror and I don't see that person, it was just eating me alive, you know, day by day. I was kind of starting to turn into someone else. And I never asked for help. I should have. I, I really should have. But I don't call it pride or the culture. I can't really tell you exactly why, but I never, back then, I never asked for help. I do now. And I encourage that now. But back then, I just didn't do it. I just, I just thought it would like ruin my career or whatever, you know, pointless reasons we don't ask for help. And it all came to a head when I just started, I was eating fast food constantly. I didn't know how to cook. I had barely any furniture. Um, there's really not a lot of money in my bank account. I hadn't started college. And um, I thought I was going to get out of the military. And when I really looked at my life, I thought, if I get out of the military, I, I can't show my face back in my hometown. What do I have to show for? That I gained 20 pounds and I'm in debt? And I was just praying for a second chance. I mean, just, I need a second chance, please. And uh, luckily, you know, by the grace of God, I got the, the retrain approved and I was able to get a second chance. But before, before that all came to fruition, I'd say my breaking point was when I got the flu mist. I don't know if you remember when we used to have to get the oh, flu mist. Up the nose? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the worst. So the difference is the flu mist is a live virus and it's actually been discontinued. You probably won't see it given anymore. And there's a reason for that because its danger threshold, which isn't high, was still high enough to not consider it over other options. And I took that flu mist and being so depressed, so unhealthy and so down that that live virus almost killed me. Wow. Yeah, I was put in, uh, I started having chest pains. I was sweating, couldn't catch my breath. I thought, what is going on with me? I had a fever. And, you know, being a maintainer, I ignored it. I ignored it for like three days, you know. Mm -hmm. And by, but, but by day three, I couldn't get up, walk up the stairs. And my flight chief was like, are you out of breath right now? I was like, I can't, my heart's racing. I was like, I can't catch my breath right now. And he's like, he's like, man, you need to call the appointment line. Call the appointment line. I tell them my symptoms. They're like, we can't make an appointment. Like you have to go to the ER. I was like, what? I just have a cold or something. They're like, no, you got to go to the ER. <clears throat> so go to the ER in town. Cause there's not one out at Whiteman. They put an EKG on me. And in like 30 seconds, they're like, yeah, we need an ambulance. <laughs> like, and they're like, Hey, don't freak out. But there's some, you know, things popped up on this EKG. We have to send you to a specialist in Kansas city. And you're going to be in an ambulance ride for that. And I was like, what about my stuff, my car? Like, I came in there with nothing. Like, I thought I was going to be in and out. Like, give me yeah. some antibiotics and let me go home. I had no idea what was in store for me. <laughs> and it happened fast. And so, suddenly, I'm in St. Luke's in Kansas City with someone telling me that I have a heart virus that they have no control over. They have, there's nothing they can do except make me comfortable that was it. I mean, that's how serious this was. And, uh, they're like, the only thing we can do is, is make you comfortable, give you pain meds. And then, you know, run some tests to make sure you're not having like a heart attack. But it's outside of that. You're just, you're just being monitored. And, you know, we suggest like you invite some like family, like just in case. Wow. Yeah. 
And so not only did I feel like a failure, but I legit thought I was going to die. And so my dad came out and he missed the birth of my sister's kid and everything. So I was feeling guilty about that. Um, but my dad being there, man, he probably saved my life because like, honestly, my, they told me there's no reason that flu mist should have almost killed me. There is no reason I was what, like 23, 24. They're like that medically makes no sense. And I have no answer for you, but in my heart, I had the answer, right? I was slowly dying for months. I mean, when you are depressed and you're treating yourself like that, that's giving up. Yeah. My kids are in here. Oh, they're, that, see, now, good. There goes your backdrop. You were <laughs> knocking on mine. They love this. Hey, Angela. Hi. I'm talking to my buddy. Hi. Hi. Hey. Huh. Oh, uh, can y'all give me a minute? Here, take PK. I'll meet you in a minute. You want to say hi? Okay, look. Hi. Hi, how are you? Why Can't hear me. You have headphones it? on. <laughs> He's in my headphones. Hey, hey, hold on one sec. Yeah. All right, sorry about that. We had a run in. <laughs> Maybe you can keep part of that because uh, it's adorable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I uh, I, I kind of looked at my life and I thought, man, I was, I was giving up I was dying slowly. I was giving up for years. It was just, it wasn't like a one and done give up. It was a slow burn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that I needed that second chance, man. I I prayed. I said, God, if I could, I I never even used to pray, but in this moment I was praying hard. And I just thought, God, if I can just get this second chance at life, like I won't mess this up. I won't blow all my money. I won't avoid college and, and life in general. I'll be healthy. And heart virus went away. I got better. And the retrain went through. And at that point in my life, I've been in six years, never won an award ever. And then I go to tech school. I got all the awards you can get there. My dad was like, you know, in tears. He was so proud of me. My mom was there. My future wife was there. And that was it, man. It was like, it was like God's gift, a second yeah. chance. I got the second chance and I never looked back and I never screwed that up again. And that includes my mental health. If I need help, I'm asking for help, period. Yep. Alcohol, don't do it. I don't drink it. I don't do anything like that that makes me feel guilty about how I'm treating myself. Working out, I, I try to run and, and give time for that. Sleep, huge. I always make sure I get good sleep. Yeah. And then just living in the moment, being happy, being, you know, gratitude. I was never thankful for anything in my life ever. You know, I always had a chip on my shoulder. I kind of had the opposite of gratitude. But then once I started being grateful for people, for my coworkers, for my family, for what I have and, and really take time to like, let that sink in. I'm, I'm loving life now, man. I, I had the second chance. I'm here today. I can't believe I'm a master sergeant. You, you, anyone that's knew me as an airman, they cannot believe that I'm a master sergeant. Like literally blew their minds. <laughs> and it blows my mind 
it, it still does still sometimes i you know when i'm in mess dress you know not so much with our new uniform because the rank's like you look on that shoulder you're like whoo bro you see the rank on that shoulder like how did i and and i realized i forged my own path i can't tell you how long i thought i had to do x y and z to accomplish this goal i had to look like this leader i had to act like this leader gotta be like this person yeah. And I went through this painful phase of trying to be someone I'm not and got virtually nowhere. It wasn't until I was comfortable in my own skin that I recognized my skills, my strengths, but I also recognize my weaknesses and I capitalize on my strengths. And I, that's my driving force. And, and once I was just real with myself and I wasn't trying to be someone I'm not, I'm just trying to be the best me I can be and forge my own path that's when things started finally working out for me. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate you opening up and telling that too. And it, it, I saw recently on Instagram, you were telling a story about being sober for what was it? Yeah. Three, Three years. years. Was that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us about that. Like what that means to, to you. So I, you know, as I mentioned, I had a drinking problem as an airman. Um, and it wasn't like a physical dependency where like, Cause some people have that, unfortunately, yeah. where they have to have it in their body or they get shaky and, and sick. It wasn't like that. It was more like a psychological, emotional crutch to get through a tough time. Right. If I don't know how to get through a tough time, I can just ignore it, you know, and maybe for a little while that works. It does work for a little while. That's why it's such a popular, you know, choice for people. The problem is in the long run, it kind of eats away at who you are. And that's what happened to me. Um, I got past that, you know, once I got married and I, and I had a family and I'm doing good, I wasn't using it like that anymore. But because that was my introduction to it, it never felt good in my system. I, I can't, it's, it's hard to put my finger on. It's like my first impression was so bad about it and I had such negative connotations about it that even just like casually doing it at the end of the day, never sat well with me. And it wasn't until I joined the base honor guard where I wanted to use that two years to see if I could, you know, not drink yeah. and Holy cow, it was hard. I didn't realize I was still using it as a crutch, right? Like I would go just something simple, like ALS graduation. And it was very hard for me to speak without having that beer. Everyone at the table is drinking, talking, chatting up. I'm like feeling anxiety. I'm twiddling my hands, you know, moving my stuff around, looking at my phone. And it was kind of at that moment, I was like, I need to stick with this because I'm uncomfortable right now in a situation that I should feel fine in. Mm -hmm. And man, uh, since that three years, my confidence has gone through the roof. That was what I was missing. I needed to take the crutch away completely. And I needed to be comfortable being uncomfortable to finally feel okay in my own skin and be the best me that I can be. And I could not do that with that crutch in my life, period. And, you know, once I went that two years, I said, I'm not starting back up now. And so now it's been three years um, and it continuously challenges me. I'm continuously getting out of my comfort zone, but man, I never look back and I'm just rocking and rolling with it. I love that quote. I was something that somebody told me earlier in my career was get comfortable being uncomfortable and uh, kudos to you, man, for everything with your story. I mean, uh, three years sober, it's a big deal. Um, and I thought it was really cool when you were sharing that now on yeah. Instagram, not too long. The, the cleaning crew here uh, obviously doesn't know I'm recording 
episode 34 of the shadows podcast um so if you hear all this clanking in the background this is just this episode seems snake bitten in terms of proxemics hasn't it yeah man we had a lot of obstacles but we're going to make it happen one way we're going, or another. We're, we're going to finish it. This is all going to stay in the episode yeah. too. Uh, but no, you mentioned something else too. You were talking about mental health and that's something yeah. that we just passed mental health awareness month. And um, mental health is one of those things that I, same thing. And I wasn't in the maintainer career field. I was uh, even in calm, but it, the stigma of you go to mental health and get seen, it's going to ruin your career. And I can sit here and tell you right now, I go to mental health. I've been to mental health and uh, does wonders for me. So um, I, I think, you know, what you said about getting help and seeking help, um, getting educated on it and, and find and not just listening to the person next to you say, man, it's going to kill you. It's going to your career is going to be over with, um, I think is really important. And I've had that dilemma myself, too, man, like, but at, at the end of the day, what's it worth? Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're worried about some sort of implication on your career, is it worth you being miserable for the short time that we have on earth? Exactly. I, I'll tell you what, me, me going to mental health has made me a better NCO in the Air Force. It has made me a better instructor. It has made me a better husband, a better father. Fill in the blanks. It's made me better because uh, what is it? Doctors have doctors. Teachers have teachers. Lawyers have lawyers. I mean, go get seen. If, if it's something that you, you need, just your brain is a muscle. Work it out talk to someone and from what i've learned about myself and i'm sure other people can relate is that we like to hide things that upset us mm -hmm. so you know why i appreciate therapy for instance is because it, it gives me a time where i'm forced to think through it sometimes for the first time different perspective like i could have had something eating away at me and i did everything in my power to not think about that problem right suddenly you're having this counseling session and speaking with someone who asks all the right questions and that story kind of comes out and suddenly your mind is, is working its way through the problem mm -hmm. in a way that you didn't approach before. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. it, it, it's taking time aside to force you to think about the things that you might've been putting off. Yep. And so I for that reason, I, I really have always appreciated it. Um, I'm actually signed back up with a B hop, which is, uh, so it's a behavioral health. It's basically like overflow for mental health. Sometimes mental health gets really, really full and they triage, right? So if they have a full patient load and, and it's very serious, they'll keep that patient load. But BHOP was created to kind of overflow. They can call you so that you can do it on the phone. And uh, I've got something set up for next Friday, just from, you know, being new at a base, not knowing anyone, losing my whole support system. Um, yeah. I, I know I could benefit talking to a professional uh, someone I can trust. And so I'm here to tell you, I'm a master sergeant, been in almost 17 years and I'm talking to a therapist next Friday yeah. and I'm telling the airman I'm signed up for this appointment. I let it be known that I don't drink and I let it be known that I talk to a therapist because I want them to know that someone like me who has a wife, who has kids, who was a 12 outstanding airman of the year for global strike, who's done all these things that I thought were impossible, that that person still goes to therapy and still needs help. I want them to know that. I want them to know that they can live their life and not drink alcohol and still have a good life. I want them to see it. I want to show it to them. And so that's why this stuff is close to my heart. Yeah, kudos. Final thing I want to ask you about, Hero Front Podcast. 
educate the shadows podcast listeners who may not have been exposed to it yet. Okay. So hero front, the name hero front, uh, I developed when I was working at the honor guard and I saw the, the colors team of honor guard holding the air force flag, holding the United States flag and the rifles. They're always at the front of every parade of promotion ceremonies of retirements. And they look like heroes. They, they represent everything that we are prideful for as a service member. An honor guardsman is the visual rep- representation of our pride. And they look like heroes. They're always at the front. And that's when I came up with the concept Hero Front as the name. And I've never actually told anyone on a podcast that you're the first one I've ever exclusive. mentioned that. This is, this is exclusive this is behind the scenes. Yeah. And... Um, I named the podcast that because I'm still doing that, right? I'm still finding those heroes and I'm putting them at the front of our minds and our hearts and our discussions. And I, and I, like I told you before we started recording, I wasn't going for the big, the big fish right out the gate, right? There's a lot of leaders out there who have great stories and I could definitely ask them and I guarantee you they would do it because they're nice. I started with the airmen who aren't, very well known. I started with the airmen who are incredible, who, who lived incredible lives and went through something amazing that nobody knows about. And I thought, what a shame. I've been like this my whole career where I want to know someone's story and I always learned from it. And I always took something away from it. And I never forgot that person. And what a shame if no one knows this story. And so I encourage them to share it and I bring them on my podcast and that's the whole concept. And that's what I've been doing now for about three, four months. And it's been an honor and a blessing. If our listeners want to listen to Hero Front Podcast, where can you point them to? So the major platforms, uh, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Apple Podcasts, all the, all the very common major music streaming platforms, it's on that. And then if you like to watch clips or you like to watch video, um, I have a YouTube channel labeled Hero Front where I put the full videos of every episode. And I also have certain clips highlighted if a certain topic piques your interest. Sweet. Well, what final comments do you have for our listeners? Final comments I have is never be afraid to be the unique and best version of yourself. Don't let some outside influencer tear you down from what you know is true to your heart on who you are and what you stand for. Show up for yourself every single day. Hold yourself to the standard that you have envisioned in your mind your entire life. Show up for yourself. I like it. Well, this, we finally showed up here for this episode. And we this finally up, showed up for the episode. <laughs> we did. And this ended up becoming a pretty most unique experience of outside, uh, you know, things happening, but it ended up being great. I thought this was a tremendous episode. I want to thank you for taking time to do this. Thank you for opening up, sharing your story. I still feel like there's a lot more to unpack. I definitely want to dig deeper into the honor guard piece. So we'll definitely have to have a part deuce on this. Yeah, man. Think about it. Think, you know, we talked about a lot and you know me pretty well. So, you know, when you, uh, think about it and whenever you want to, you know, reattack this, maybe six months, from now hit Maybe me Orlando up, Orlando we could do it or at the, we can do it really soon yes hopefully yeah, fingers crossed lot, we'll go to Disney Springs and yeah. we'll go down there and get some uh I, I'm doing my cheat day at Disney Springs so we can get down there and oh nice I can load up on sugar and we can do this episode heck yeah we'll call it cheat day
That's creative. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate all of our listeners. Check out our new website, which we've got in this episode description. Give me feedback. Let me know what you think. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms. We are all the time here on this episode of the Shadows Podcast. Mm